Hello and welcome to an episode of Cat the Baker. I'm Chef KB. So I went swimming today, as I do twice a week. I always go for my laps, then I go into the hot tub, then I go into a different pool where I just float, like I have a routine, and then I go into the steam room, and after that I go into the sauna. This is just like a side topic because it's on my mind and it happened. And a lot of the times, I'd say three out of five, like a lot, I'll be in the steam room and a couple of men, because it's co-ed, men and women go into the same sauna and steam room. And a lot of men, they have to do push-ups and sit-ups in the steam room. This happens a lot, like I said. And if you are one of those men or women, I mean, I've only experienced men doing this, just don't, don't do it. I understand it gets your heart rate up, but when I'm trying to relax in the steam room, I hear this like grunting and panting and it sounds like you're about to have a heart attack. It's not pleasant, you know? So like I was in the steam room and this older gentleman comes in, I would say probably in his 80s. He's hard of hearing because another man comes in after him and I guess they know each other. The man starts yelling at the old man, like a, like a very high raised voice so that the older gentleman can hear him. And they're like yelling at each other, you know, and I'm trying to relax. And then the younger man like goes on the ground and starts to do sit-ups. And I'm thinking, oh my God. So just don't do that. You know, it wasn't relaxing. And after that, I go into the sauna where again, just trying to relax. You know, I like the sauna. I just lay down, close my eyes and just breathe. Nothing crazy. But then this man came in. He came in for maybe two minutes and he breathed so heavy, like intentionally, like trying to clear his nose or something. Just breathe, just breathe normal. Another time, not today, because that would have been crazy. I would have been like, what is going on today? But another time, a woman came in. I guess she had just showered. She had washed her hair and everything. She comes into the sauna to brush her hair. But like, what? <laughs> That's not what the sauna is there for. It's not there to dry your hair. And I don't want your hair all over the sauna. Like, what are you thinking, people? What are you thinking? <laughs> don't do exercise in the steam room or the sauna. Don't dry your hair in the sauna. Okay, that's it. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> it's really distracting and not relaxing. And I think sometimes it's better to not have co-ed steam room or sauna because men sweat a lot more too. You know, and then if they don't use a towel in the sauna, you just have the sweat soaking into the wood, like the wooden benches. Anyway, okay. So the reason for this episode... <laughs> side note, okay. The reason for this episode is... I'm a citizen! I'm a citizen of the United States of America. I know you probably thought I already was if you haven't listened to the introduction, which is fine, but no, I was not. I was born in Germany, raised in England, and I moved to the US when I was 14. 
I was 14. I just was about to turn 15. And at 15 is when I got my Taco Bell job. Yes, my first job was Taco Bell. So what happened was I've been living in the U.S. for 29 years. And I, yes, I'm more American than German. Sure. I mean, I lived in Germany a total of six years. When I was five, we moved to England. I lived in England for nine years. We moved back to Germany for a year. And then I moved to the U.S. I've never had any issues, you know? I mean, as a green card holder, I have, a, you know, I had a green card for 29 years. I never really found a reason to become a U.S. citizen because I can do I could do everything that an American citizen could do. The only difference is I couldn't vote and I didn't have to go to jury duty, which maybe some of you haven't gone to jury duty, but no matter where I have lived, I have always been summoned all the time. Like every other year I get summoned, no matter where I am. And then I can always say, actually, I'm not a citizen. <laughs> So I'm a little, you know, scared of that because I feel like I'm going to get summoned regularly, but who knows? Okay, so the reason for this is, you know, I've always been able to travel back and forth between Europe and the U.S. I have my German passport, no issues, anything getting into Europe. And then I don't have an issue getting back in the U.S. As a green card holder, I can go into the U.S. citizen line. I just have to put in my fingerprint, you know, have a picture taken, like I'm a criminal, and show my green card. Basically, there's never been an issue. And plus, during COVID, because of my German passport, I was able to stay in Switzerland when I worked there, and it wasn't an issue. The only reason I thought to become a citizen, well, okay, couple of reasons. First of all, my mom became a citizen she suggested it, basically asking me if I would ever move anywhere else. And I thought, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess not. You know, I consider the U.S. my home. And yes, I mean, every country has pros and cons, but I just feel at home here. I've lived a lot of places, you know. I don't know. Maybe I would feel home somewhere else. I don't know. But I know that when I lived in Switzerland for a year, there were a lot of things that I really enjoyed, but overall, I felt, I kind of felt like an outsider. I felt like the people were a bit special. Like they were just different. They weren't, they weren't very welcoming. They kind of looked at me from afar. Once they knew me, you know, I made some friends, but it took a while. Basically when I first worked in Switzerland, it was like going back to school and not having any friends, you know, because they had cafeteria and it was open and then everybody would just look at me and I didn't know anybody. Everyone was in their groups and cliques, which is weird, but I would just sit at a table and just feel looked at, you know, and it just felt like all these school flashbacks because I've moved so many times. It was a bit traumatizing to always move somewhere new. And now I do the same thing. I'm, all, I'm always moving. 
you know, which is, which is pretty crazy that I continue to do it. My mom became a citizen. She's like, why don't you just become a citizen? It could be a positive thing. And I never really, I guess I thought about it more after she passed. You know, she became a citizen because she knew she wanted to stay here and she didn't want to be deported if anything should happen, which always sounded very ominous because I'm like, what's what's going to happen? <laughs> but then she'd always see, you know, on the news, all these people being deported that have lived here for like 30 to 50 years that have been here illegally. Like she was never illegal, you know, it's a different situation. And then... Another reason is, you know, I was going to marry a German man. That sounds weird. <laughs> My ex-fiance was German. And we had discussed, okay, like, if he moves here, if I'm a U.S. citizen, then we can get married and he can be here legally and can work here. Of course, that's a whole other system, but that's the main reason why I decided to become a U.S. citizen was for our future. And if he didn't want to live in the U.S. after he's been here for a few years, then I could leave the U.S. and live somewhere else. Because as a green card holder, I cannot leave the U.S. for, or I could not, I could not leave the U.S. for more than six months consecutively. Before the six-month mark comes up, if I'm abroad, I have to come back and kind of check back in, you know, and then I can leave again. So basically, that's the rule. And I've never had an issue because I've never been out of the country for more than six months. The only time I was was during COVID. So those were my reasons. And it took me a while. You know, I went back and forth if I really wanted to do that. You know, and my ex was like, do it for yourself. If you do it, do it for yourself. And I thought, well, that's, I mean, yes, but that's also a weird thing to say. It sounded as if, you know, if I break up with you, are you still okay with this? Basically, <laughs> like not that he said that, but, you know, maybe now it makes sense. I don't know. I did it for us. It wasn't just for me, but if I did leave the U.S. and move somewhere else, I've lived here so long that what if I want to come back at some point? You know what I mean? So, of course, I'm going to try and not lose my green card because it took forever to get it. It was through my dad. He was going to work in the U.S. This company wanted my dad. So it took about five years for him to get it. And because my dad got it, his whole family got it. You know, so anybody, like immediate family, would get it if they're under 18. We, as his children, were under 18. I feel like I made that overly complicated, but that's how it is. So I applied last summer, and at the same time, I had applied earlier to Germany to get my dual, you know, status. Yeah, I didn't want to lose that either. You know, I was born in Germany, so I would like to keep that. I think there are perks, you know, of having a European passport as well, especially if something else happens, you know, I'm able to stay in Europe or work there if I wanted to and not have any issues. The thing is, Germany is being overly complicated and it's not enough that I was born there. Like for any other country, 
it's enough that you were born in that country, but not for Germany. They want you to have extra ties like um, insurances or land or property or a bank account. So I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, even though I have family there, which I'm not close to, but I listed all my addresses, a family and friends. Basically what happened is the verdict is still out on that. And I heard from the US government before, like USCIS, I heard from them before anything with Germany, which went a lot faster than I thought. Okay, so I get this letter with my appointment. I drive to Denver. I had maybe like a month and a half notice and I had a study sheet because I figured, you know, I'm going to have to take a test and I knew it would be verbal and I had to study a hundred questions. So I had some people help study with me and it's basically just U.S. history. It's U.S. government, basically everything that I learned in high school, which I went to high school in the U.S. It's like recapping about the presidents, about the flag, you know, stuff like that. And I had to know about my local senators and governors. I drove to Denver and I get to the building. You know, I go in, there's a big security check. There's like four security guards. They ask me if I have any weapons on me. I'm like, no, <laughs> why? Why would I go to a federal building? with weapons. Anyway, I know that Colorado is a right to carry state. So I guess that's why. But still, it, it always sounds weird. So I put my bag, you know, on the conveyor belt. They do a full check. I go in for my um, like appointment. I give them my appointment card. I sit down and I wait for my interviewer. As I'm waiting, there's open tellers like maybe four, and two of them have interviews in process. Like, it's just open. So at this point, they're testing them. You know, like, how many representatives are there in the House of Representatives? And it's 435. Okay, I remember that. So it's going through all these questions, and I'm thinking, okay, yes, I know that. I know that. Like, I'm, I'm noting everything because I have to take a test, too. You know, so I'm waiting for these tellers to be done to move on to me. And I thought I would just go there for the test because online it says you do your appointment, you do your test, and then it can take another nine months for the final decision. So I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not really stressing. I'll just go in, do the test and leave, even though it's like a four hour drive, but whatever. So then this gentleman walks in very casual like kind of joking, just, I forget what he said, but it was, he didn't seem like a government official. He's like in a t-shirt. He's not even in like full uniform. And he says hi to me. And he's like, what are you here for? And I'm like, uh, an interview. Like, and as he's talking to me, I'm like stretching, you know, my back's kind of tight. <laughs> like, I'm not taking this guy seriously. Right. So so he's like, all right, why don't you follow me? And I'm thinking, what? Like, what? <laughs> Is this an official person? You know, so we go up the stairway and he runs up. And as he runs up, he's like, you're too slow. Like joking, 
I wasn't I wasn't slow, but he's just trying to like lighten the mood. And then we go up two flights of stairs, we go through the hallway, and he lets me into his office. So this is an official government official. Okay. And he sits me down. No, wait. Before I sit down, he has to swear me in. Like I have to take an oath, you know, that I have to raise my right hand and basically say, you know, what is it? <laughs> it's like when you go to court, which I've never been to court. I've been to mock trials in high school, but it's like, you know, you get sworn in. Um, I swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help you God. Like I had to do that. And then I could sit. And then as I sit, he says, he's like, you know, that way we went up the stairway. I'm like, yeah. He's like, that was not the official way. The official way would have been, I meet you on the second floor and you go up the elevator. I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, like, what do I say to that? And so then he's like, but I was going off your vibe and I figured, yeah, let's go up the stairway. Like he says that. And I'm thinking, okay, great. You know, and he's very like loose, kind of jokey. And I like laugh because I don't know what to make of it. Like sometimes I laugh when things are like weird, you know, because <laughs> like, I don't know. I didn't know what to say to any of this. And then he's like, let's go through, let's go through your history. And he pulls out this file of me. And basically, when I entered the U.S., there was a picture of me at, like, age 14. I looked so young. It was like this crazy flashback. And I totally remember when that picture was taken. Because when I got into the U.S., you know, so we got our green card. But you have to enter the U.S. I think it's within, I want to say, a year, maybe six months. Like, you have to enter the U.S. at a main port. And we entered in Chicago like my family and I, and then they have to take your fingerprints and everything once you arrive. And we took our picture in Frankfurt, which is where the main U.S. consulate was, you know, so we had our picture taken there. And I remember them saying, like, don't smile. Super serious. Because in German passports, you're not supposed to smile. You're just supposed to have, like, dead face. And <laughs> that's really hard for me, you know? So I always kind of smile. And if you smile too much... It's not acceptable. They will not acknowledge your picture and you have to do it again. Here I am sitting in front of this, you know, picture. It was just like this time warp. It was crazy. And I remember too, when I entered the guard that took my fingerprints, he said, he's like, he's like, oh, you're going to be a heartbreaker. What? <laughs> Why would he say that? <laughs> I totally remember that because... You know, I never had a boyfriend up until that point. I mean, hello, I'm like 14, come on. But in high school, I never had any boyfriends, you know? And sometimes I would think about that security guard saying that, and I'm thinking, what was he talking about? Like, <laughs> I don't even have a boyfriend. How can I break anybody's hearts? And by the way, it's like the other way around, you know? What the hell? I get my heart broken. That's what happens. Okay, back to the point at hand. So... Here I am sitting, you know, in Denver, looking at this picture of me being 14, and I'm thinking, wow. So everything I just said ends up in, you know, in my head. So then he goes through my history, and he asks me how old I was when I moved here, which everything, it says everything in my file. 
you know, but he's just seeing, like recapping or something. And then he goes through each section in my file. My parents, you know, what I do for work. And anytime I bring up, you know, pastry chef or when I was a chocolatier, everyone was always happy. You know, like thinking of desserts makes people happy. But then we got to the section with citations. I've had a couple speeding tickets. This was when I was, oh, like 15 years ago. I mean, yes, I would speed more. So I had a few traffic tickets and I did traffic school and I thought those things are supposed to be erased. So I didn't even mention them. And then he says, I can read. He's like, those are still citations and I should have written them down. And now he's getting serious, okay? And now we take a test where he asks me 10 questions verbally. And he's like, basically, I pass with six right or more, okay? So I start off strong and then I get a couple wrong, which I'm like, okay, not good. <laughs> and then he asks me what happened on 9-11. I said the Twin Towers fell. He's like, no, wrong. I was like, what? <laughs> they did fall. Like, I saw them fall. I was there. He's like, fair, but that's not what it says on the computer. It says it was a terrorist attack. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, so you got that wrong. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's so general. You know, like so much happened on 9-11. Like the Pentagon, you know, that other airplane that crashed. I mean, all this stuff. Whatever. It was a terrorist attack. That's all I should have said. So brief and vague. And then another one I got wrong was who was Martin Luther King? And I said he was a civil rights leader, which is the truth. But he said, no, he started a civil rights movement. But is that not the same thing? It's just worded differently, right? Like how? I feel like this is unfair. Okay, so I just passed with six out of 10. And then he asked me who was Benjamin Franklin? And I know that I studied, you know, when I studied, he did so many things. A thing that I tried to remember was that he opened free, like public libraries. But I forgot, you know, and anyway, I got that one wrong. And then he continues on looking at the dates that I left the country. A major one was when I left to work in Switzerland during COVID. Like I left and I arrived in Switzerland and then a couple months later, COVID happened. You know, so all my flights got canceled, everything. Anyway, he sees in the system, you know, he sees everything in the system. Like he could check everything. Like he's, he's tied to all these departments, right? He's just asking me for the fun of it, really. He sees that I left the country for more than six months during COVID and I was in Switzerland. And he says, you were out of the country for six months and nine days. And as a green card holder, I'm not supposed to be out of the country for more than six months consecutively. Which, when I was in Switzerland, that was a question. And I called, like, the USCIS line. And maybe I worded it wrong. But basically, if I want to become a citizen, I cannot leave the country for more than six months. But at that point, I wasn't even thinking of that. But if I don't want to lose my green card... You know, I have a year to be out of the country. So I wasn't really worried. If you arrive 
and you've been out of the country for more than a year, then they will question you. And it's the thing, they can take away your green card. I don't know, at that point, I wasn't thinking about citizenship. So he's like, why? Why were you out of the country for six months and nine days? And I explained the situation, you know, flights got canceled, all this stuff. And I said, could this really ruin my chances of becoming a citizen? And then he's like, it could. <laughs> like, what? I'm like, okay, you know, because I said online, it says after this interview, there will be another nine months until my decision. And he's like, it's possible. Like, he's so vague with everything. And he's just trying to maintain his power. I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, like these government officials, they have so much power, really. If they want a power trip, I'm sure they could do it all day. And I'm sure some do. So anyway, I wasn't getting immediate questions out of him. And then he said, "There, I also have my discretion, which I'm like, what? Like, why would he say that? And then basically it turns out from our interview, and he keeps saying, remember, you swore an oath. And he keeps mentioning this into the questions he asked me, you know, and, and at the end of it, he's like, I believe everything you've said. And also you swore an oath based upon that. Congratulations, you are now a citizen. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Like this guy, he he's like the only reason, you know, that I'm a citizen or not a citizen. I mean, he has so much power, really. He could just be denying people all day if he wanted to. I mean, he could have denied me that I was out of the country for more than six months over, you know, because I was nine days too long out of the country, even though I've lived here for like 29 years. Anyway, he's like, I have to swear you in. And we do this whole swearing in process. I have to say like, I will protect the country and serve and, and all this stuff. I don't know, I can't like recite it, but it kind of made me a little choked up because yeah, I've lived here a long time. Like this is my home. I will, like I would support this country you know, if somebody needed my help, I guess. But I was surprised, you know, that I felt that way. And it was super interesting. I mean, I didn't cry, but I was like, wow, this is serious. You know, like it became really serious. And then he printed up my certificate and he changed in the computer. Like I couldn't see it, but he's like, it now says you're a citizen. It was just, it was just so surreal. I've lived in this country for so long, almost 30 years. Now, just like that, I'm a citizen. You know, like I didn't think I would get the verdict on the same day. And I was there for a total of an hour and a half. Like this interview went for an hour. And he kept saying, he's like, because initially he said, I bet this interview will only go for 30 minutes. He's like, you seem to have a pretty like normal application. You know, everything seems like it could go pretty fast. But then I didn't list my citations. And he had everything in his file. You know, basically he said... I need to know if you maintained your home, like your address in those six months while you were out of the country. And also if you paid your taxes. So I'm like, yeah, I did. He's like, okay, I believe you, but I need to check. So he goes and looks up my taxes. And then he's like, it says here, your address was in Arizona. I'm like, that's correct. And then he's like, all right, you're good. Like, but it, <laughs> but it was so nerve wracking. It was just so crazy. He has everything at his fingertips, just on file, just like that. And I get a certificate, like he swears me in. 
And that's that. He's like, now you can apply for a passport. So he gives me this packet and it contains my certificate. It contains how to apply for a passport, how to vote and and all these things, where to sign up. And then I also get a letter from the White House signed by Joe Biden. Obviously, he didn't sign it by hand. But still, the seal of the White House is official. I'll take that. And let me read the letter. I thought it was very nice. It says, Dear fellow American, today you have earned a new title that is the greatest honor our democracy can confer. Citizen of the United States of America. Congratulations and thank you for choosing us and for believing that America is worthy of your aspirations. Every immigrant comes to America from different circumstances and for different reasons. But like previous generations of immigrants, including in my own family, there is at least one common trait, courage. It takes courage to leave behind everything you have ever known, your homes, lives, and loved ones, and start a new life in another country. In making this journey to America, you have done more than move to a new place. You have become part of an idea. The idea of America is that everyone is created equal and deserves to be treated equally, and that we are forever a nation of possibilities. Since our nation's founding, that idea, the source of our strength and dynamism, has been nurtured, enriched, and advanced by the contributions, sacrifices, and dreams of generations of immigrants like you. As you embrace the rights and responsibilities of citizenship and build your own life and legacy in the United States of America, I am honored to welcome you as a fellow American in our great nation of immigrants. Sincerely, President Joseph R. Biden Jr. Isn't that nice? <laughs> so the one line that stands out to me, especially, is it takes courage. It takes courage to leave behind everything you've ever known. And it's true. It does. It takes courage for new things in general. That's a huge deal. That's why most people don't want to do it. That's it right there. I thought that was a very nice letter. That was my packet. I drive back. Okay, first before I drive back, I go and get Indian buffet. <laughs> a typical American dish, not, but I love Indian food. I'm thinking, okay, I'll apply for a passport because I've heard they take forever. You know, and if I do want to leave the country because I'm thinking about traveling in November... You know, I need to make sure I have my passport to leave the country. Because I guess, you know, if everything works out with Germany and I go to Europe, I can enter Europe with my German passport and then come back to the U.S. with my U.S. passport. But he took away my green card, so I don't have that anymore. He's like, we're going to shred it. And he's like, you don't need it anymore. So you have to apply for a passport. That's it. You know, like just like that, everything has changed. So yeah, if I come back to the U.S., then I have to have my U.S. passport. Because I guess it would be strange if I came back with my German passport into the U.S. You know, that would not work since in the system it says I'm a citizen. So now it would be interesting to travel back as a citizen. I guess I don't need to be fingerprinted anymore, right? And I maybe they ask me less questions. Like, that'll be interesting. Because also... Every time I travel internationally and I go back to the U.S., I always get searched. 
no matter where I am. And I've been told, like somebody told me when I entered the gate in the airport, they said, my features are similar to that of a wanted person. And I'm like, okay, that's... <laughs> and I brought this up in the interview too. And he's like, yes, he's like, unfortunately that can happen. So basically he just says that's going to keep happening pretty much. Okay. So I decide to go and apply for my passport. And I know that in the U.S. you can just go by the post office. So when I had my interview in Denver, they gave me all the paperwork so that I could fill it out, the application for the passport. So I did. I bring it by the post office with my ID and everything I need. And then they say, you have to make an appointment. Okay, so I make the appointment for the next day. The next day, today, I go by there. There's a really long line. Like, the thing is, with the post office in Aspen, there's only ever one person working, and there's like 10 people waiting. And everything goes as slow as molasses. It's super slow. I don't have to wait in line, because I'm there for a passport appointment. So I just sit, and then after 10 minutes, he's like, are you here for your 2.30? I'm like, yes. So he stops what he's doing with all these other people waiting in line for the post office. And he starts my application, which is good for me. The other people are like, what? <laughs> you know, I, I feel, you know, when people give you a dirty eye, even though my back is turned to them, I feel it. I feel the dirty eyes. And on my application, there's a question that says, are you planning to leave the country and when? And I put on there Peru. You know, I don't have a flight booked or anything, but apparently getting a passport can take 14 to 18 weeks, which is crazy. So I have to expedite it. And then they have all these additional fees to expedite it. Anyway, that's what I did, because if you don't expedite something, they're going to do the super long route, which is probably going to take like six months. But anyway, I put on there that I'm going to Peru with a date that is not set yet. You know, the post office worker sees that. And then he starts drawing on a separate piece of paper. He draws his candelabra and these like lines. And then he writes Peru under it. Like he just starts drawing. And there's this huge line. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what's he doing? And he says, have you ever heard of the candelabra? And I say, no. He's like, it's in Peru. It's about three or four stories high under the ocean. And I can see it from the ocean. I'm like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, thanks. <laughs> he finishes my application. And um, yeah, I paid like, what was it? Like $270 total about $64 for the fees for the post office and mailing it to the Department of State, and then $209 for my whole passport processing. Okay, you know. And then yesterday, I went hiking, and it was the perfect day. It was sunny and beautiful. It's in Glenwood Springs, or close to Glenwood Springs, and it's called Hanging Lake. It's very popular, and I had to get a reservation. I get it. Thankfully, 
that day is beautiful. I go pretty early on and it's basically a three hour hike there and back. So it's uphill the whole way. And as you walk up, you walk next to a river that's going down the mountain the whole time. So you have this beautiful water noise the whole time, bridges that are constantly crossing the river at different points. And you walk to the very top. There's all these stairs made of rocks and pretty steep. At the very top, there's a lake and the lake is on the edge of the cliff which is why it's called Hanging Lake. And then if you go further up, there's this huge waterfall and the waterfall feeds the water to the lake. It was so amazing. It was such a beautiful hike. But then when I go down, which was a lot faster because also I didn't take as many pictures going down, you know, going up, I'm taking a lot of pictures, normal for me. And then on my way down, there are so many babies. Like this wasn't an easy hike. And I can't say maybe if I were mom, maybe I would hike with my baby, but I saw like four babies, like these moms carrying these babies going up on a hike. I mean, good for them, but I don't know if I would do that. Like it, it seems so strenuous, right? Like hiking with a baby, maybe I'm wrong. And then later on, there were just a lot of families and kids and I'm glad I went early in the morning because there were less people. So I didn't always have people hiking behind me and it was cooler. So later in the day, it got hotter. I highly recommend this hike. It was so, so, so beautiful. One of the most beautiful hikes I've done, you know, an hour and a half each way is pretty good, like not too bad. But the last few days, like since I've become a citizen, I don't know, I've been feeling a little bit different. I guess unexpected really, because I'm thinking maybe there are other positive points. I could leave the country for a job if I wanted to for a longer length of time, and that wouldn't be an issue. And maybe I could open up my own store easier because now I can take on loans, <laughs> which uh, maybe there's more options. I don't know. I haven't really looked into it. Funnily enough, I do feel a little bit different than I thought I would. Like I thought I was just doing it to do it. And I didn't think it would have this feeling behind it, you know, which is interesting. My dad called me the other day and he's gotten more emotional since my mom died, which is a side to him that I'm not really, that's new to me. You know, when he opens up, it's, it's unexpected. And I guess he found some of my things. I had some things in boxes that he got from storage. My mom had the storage unit in Atlanta. And when she passed, he basically dissolved it and took important things, including some of my items. And now they're in Arizona. And maybe I had a diary. I'm not exactly sure. But he randomly asked me out of the blue how I felt moving from New Mexico to Georgia, which was in high school. And I moved my senior year, like beginning of my senior year, to a brand new school. And the reason behind it is basically my dad was still living in Germany and my parents got a divorce and he stopped sending money to us, his family. Basically, there were some, you know, a lot of emotions regarding 
how I felt regarding my father. Anyway, so he brings this up out of the blue, you know, because he's like, I guess he thought about it and realized that it wasn't easy for me, you know, constantly moving as a as a teenager and as a child. And and he asked me how I felt. It totally threw me off. I wasn't expecting that. And I said it was hard. I didn't let it get to me. I wasn't reacting emotionally because I didn't want to. And then he started basically in his way apologizing and talking for a long time, which I haven't heard my dad do, you know, and then I had to get off the phone. I just, I was doing stuff and I just didn't expect it. So I kind of rushed to get off the phone and then I felt bad afterwards, you know, because him opening up to certain things is so rare. And then he finally did, and I acted very distant, you know, and I think it was just easier for me to not let that in. But then after the fact, I felt bad, you know, as you always do with family, right? <laughs> like, like maybe you say the wrong thing or you don't want to react right away. And then after the fact, of course, I feel bad. I guess it's surprising how things never really go away. You know, you live your life. You do what you need to, to make money or survive or just continue the next chapter. Sometimes you don't always have a chance to reflect, you know, and I remember when I left New Mexico to move to Atlanta, it was very traumatic for me. I was really upset because I just had this huge move from England to Germany, from Germany to the U.S. And I thought, okay, now... I'm stable, now I can stay. No, I couldn't. From there, I moved to Atlanta, and then I was there for a year, and from there I moved to New York to go to college. And now, look at me, I'm always moving, which, <laughs> it's like a part of me. I know that I am flexible and I know that I can move, but at the same time, it's also frustrating, you know? Because I just want to find the right thing and feel stable. Everything's so job-dependent. You know, like here, my housing is tied to my job. So if I leave my job, then I have to find new housing, you know, and it's, it seems sometimes very complicated. But my point is, it's important to look back and reflect and just be proud of yourself from time to time, you know, to realize, okay, I made it through. I, I'm a survivor. I did it, you know, and just be proud of yourself for dealing with everything that happened and everything that came your way. Somebody told me that parents, they try their best. You know, when you're younger, you look up to your parents and you believe every word they say because you think they know better because they're older, you love them, you think they're wiser. And when parents say things when you're young, it's like gold. I mean, or at least it was for me, like I... I believed what they said, but then growing up, you realize they don't know better necessarily. They're just, they're just trying to get by, you know, and, and they're just trying to do the best for their kids most of the time. Not everybody knows better. So that's why in the end, I just trust my gut, you know, and I trust what I need to do to get where I want to be. Throughout the years, I've just noticed how, you know, we all have to find our way. You know, and now my dad is looking at the past, kind of seeing how a lot of his life went. 
And he worked pretty much all the time. Like, yes, we all need to work. We all need to make money and to live, obviously. At the same time, you also need to look out for yourself and find a balance between work and what you enjoy. Otherwise, you're just going to get burned out. And I see it in my dad. You know, he totally is burned out. <laughs> He's just been working so much. And then through the accidents I've had, I've realized life is short. I mean, life will just pass you by. I mean, I've lived in this country for almost 30 years. It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like it at all. And I remember everything so vividly. I don't feel like I'm in my 40s. Not that that's a bad thing. You just have to live in the moment as best you can. When it comes down to it, there are so many unexpected things that happen and you just have to roll with it, roll with the punches. With the citizenship thing, I thought I was doing it for different reasons. Even though my relationship ended, the things I started were still in motion. I still am seeing those through. And who knows what it's good for? You know, it's got to be a different reason. And even if my ex was the catalyst to do it, in the end, who knows regarding the future? Maybe it's a positive thing. I mean, hopefully it's a positive thing. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm Chef KB, and this was an episode of Cat the Baker. Follow me on Instagram at Chef KB, Chef K-A-Y-B-E-E, or on YouTube at Cat the Baker. Until next time.